0: Hello and welcome to The Temple Podcast. My name is Edward Pike and I'm the founder of The Temple. So we created this online space to really bring people together amongst these changing times so that we can remind ourselves of the true beauty of the human experience. It's also a place where we share wisdom, resources and even services that we all need right now to navigate amongst the chaos to find our authentic purpose, and to really create powerful change together. So in this podcast, I have profound conversations with some of the amazing, inspiring people that I met along the way, and that I continue to meet, to collaborate, and to play with. I really believe that every single one of us has an important journey and message to share with the world. And I hope that as you listen to the insights and the learnings of some of our guests, You'll also be inspired to go on your own journey to stepping into your power and your voice. So, if you want to find out more, you can go to our website, thetemple.love. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram, thetemple.love, or you can email me directly at ed at the But for now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. hello and welcome back to the temple podcast welcome back good to have you here I'm Edward so I'm very excited to introduce you today to a friend to Simon Simon Maddral Simon is a writer and a poet uh, I've known Simon for I would say what's it four or five years now. Um, he first joined some workshops that Rob and I were running in London when we were also running a, a social enterprise called the Thrive Foundation. And we were delivering workshops uh, and sessions for, for people living with HIV. And Simon's been on the journey with us ever since he was the first person to come to Crete to attend a Soul Quest, which I run. He actually named them Soul Quest, I think. Um, and he's been part of the temple and the campfire since it's very very beginning So it was an absolute pleasure and joy to sit down with the microphone and to have a conversation about him For an hour and to really listen to his, to his journey and his, his insights about him stepping into his authentic voice and his authentic craft which is in in, in his context in his case poetry and beautiful poetry and so he really gives us a taste through, uh, throughout, the episodes, throughout the episode, a real taste of what it is to be a poet, but also the real power of poetry and the transformative, evocative power that it can have over us. And so I'm really inspired by him, inspired by his work, and really excited to be sharing this with you. Before you dive in, I just want to mention that uh, every Sunday at 10 a.m. UK time until the end of this year, we're running a Sunday service and cafe online. It's completely open, completely free of charge. And what it is, although it might sound religious or give religious connotations, it's really a space for us to come together. Uh, some of us share, you know, some meditation, a piece of music, uh, a piece of poetry. It could be some reading and. And then we also have a space to, to just have a discussion around what's going on right now and uh, how are we experiencing the lockdowns, the changes, and the craziness that's happening. So it's completely free of charge. I really invite you to join. It's a beautiful space. Some beautiful people show up every time. And this specific Sunday, uh, Simon will be reading some of his poetry live for us. So I uh, doubly invite you to join us this Sunday to experience not just the, the service and the cafe, but also to hear Simon share his poetry live with us. So without further ado, I'll introduce you to Simon. Have a beautiful day and enjoy the podcast. Bye. Hello, Simon. Hello.
1: Hi. Hello. Hello.
0: It's good to see you. (laughs) I'm really excited to this conversation it's just nice to have this space to well first of all to hang out the three of us which we have done many times anyway but and really kind of to to hear about you and you know your journey your work your poetry your wisdom to really dive into that today
1: yeah very excited for that. Great looking forward to it well I guess since we we first met I've Become a proper poet, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> You're a real, I'm a real poet.
0: You have fully, 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 and it's been amazing to witness that journey. You know. So how how would you start? Like I ask you the ritual question, like how how would you describe to other people what is it that
1: you do? Well, I'm a poet, um and, and a a poet who is exploring life meaning and um and questions um i think when i initially started as a poet many of those many of those questions were very internal and certainly as a spoken word poet the focus tends to be on having something to say um, and, and tends to be a catharsis and, and those things. But as I've sort of um, moved towards poetry on the page, um, it then becomes, it, it shifts, I think, in terms of having something to say to having something to explore. And that when I start poems in almost every single instance, um, to the degree that i can't give you an example that contradicts this um i don't know how the poem's going to end
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so even if again in some of my poems i'm exploring something very personal the shame of growing up gay the grief of losing parents particularly um after a long period of care or a, a, a tragic incident then even in those cases, I think if you're successful as a poet, you you also provide people with something that provides a deeper insight into something other than just that incident or that mm. that person. Mm.
2: Um,
1: and 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 that's um, that's what I'm trying to do, and that's I, I think my progression as a poet i think um i mean i've certainly progressed in the craft um just as just as all of us do the more that we the more that we invest time and energy into um into learning into in, in into learning into reading into um listening but equally i think the questions that I'm asking or the things that I'm exploring are, 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 are perhaps changing and hopefully going wider mm-hmm. um, than myself. Yeah.
3: Um, in, in respect of that change, I'm curious because when Ed and I first met you, you weren't a proper poet, or <laughs> professional <laughs> poet a professional no. poet, <laughs> and, and you certainly didn't call yourself that. I, I said When someone asked you what you did and, I'm curious as to how you say you surrendered to not knowing how the poem is going to turn out. Has that always been the case in your writing or is that something that's developed you know, through life experience, through mastering the craft?
1: Um, I think that came, I mean, it's come in the, um, in that movement to the page Um because you know, spoken word poetry is a, you know, is a particular genre um, and a particular environment. And the nature of it is that you, that you have something to say. And then that tends to be, that tends to be how you write, what you write. Um, Mm -hmm. And liberating yourself from that need to perform, that need for people to hear something in particular, and to be able to put things down, which perhaps need time to, you need time to dwell upon mm. rather than catch in, in um, mm. um, in four or five second bites of, of, of lines. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's developed, it's developed by learning the answers to the questions that I've been asking, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so, you know, I hope that I'm growing spiritually and emotionally, as well as, as well as growing in the craft, the craft of what I'm creating, you know, in the, in the context of our discussion, it's, you know, it's the, the, the craft is the, the craft and the skills and the techniques are a means to an end. Mm -hmm. of how can i get out of myself how can i get out of um or find get out of myself or find something and then put it on a page that has Mm -hmm. meaning to other people Mm -hmm. um i mean i'll share one poem with you that um perhaps is closer to the beginning of of that exploration of one's own experience um and it's called if we are all broken Mm -hmm. if we are all broken is there another word for the brokenness the shape and size of tiles if we are all human is there another word for that humanness in the shade and color of leaves we trample upon. If we are the same, is there a tender side to that sameness that lies in the pain and trauma of children in grown-up shoes? Is there a vulnerable side to our brokenness that hatches secrets in the hearing, that fledges shame in the saying loud enough?
2: Just taking that in, wow. Mm. It's amazing the themes
0: in that, everything that you're exploring. Oh, you know, and a question that comes to mind is when, when did you write that? How long ago was that? Because that for me also feels, you know, knowing you and, you know, being so much in, in this conversation of everything you're talking about here, the humanness, the brokenness, the vulnerability or, you know, all of our facets, like, I don't know, there's something that it just, just pops out. I don't know if that makes sense. It just it kind of pops out from, from you. It's like, oh yeah. Wow. This conversation, you know, is something that has been ongoing for so long. So how, when did
1: you write that? I know exactly the, um, The day I started writing it, which was the twenty-third of September, which is when I launched Throat Bone in the Isle of Man. Yeah. Um and there was a I offered to hang around afterwards after the on on Zoom. Um and a really lovely guy came on and said some lovely things about the poetry. Um and he he said um, Rob Croft is the guy's name. I'm sure he won't mind me saying and i've I've sent him the um the original version of it and the latest version of the poem he was talking about how quite a bit of my poetry had explored brokenness and how he often said to people that that his strength was his brokenness um and it was almost like a gift he gave me you know that that was the poem prompt and you know as soon as the as soon as the session finished, I started writing that poem. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, you know, to explore that, you know, that, that, that commonness and what it means. Mm. And, and, and that's how the, I guess, how the poem progressed from common brokenness to common humanity to, 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 to where it went.
3: Is it a definite, can't think of the right word, but something that jumped out to me both in the way you read the poem, but also in the words, was the vulnerability. And I was curious, you you've mentioned that you grew up gay in the Isle of Man. You're also a man in general, and there's a certain masculinity and conformity about exposing vulnerability. And I'm just curious, in terms of your, your journey to this point, you say you wrote that poem this year, how has that sort of shown up in your
2: life?
1: Um, <laughs> <Big> question. <laughs> yeah. Good question um, I mean, maybe m- m- my initial answer is sort of, is almost a reverse of that in that I've become to realize that I can't allow, um, what's in myself or what other people trigger in me to stop me from sharing my truth or from exploring mm. my truth. And that that in doing that, by doing that, it damages me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, as Rob, you've said before, a number of people have have said to me there is a certain thankfully there's a certain liberation that other people feel when they when they witness Mm -hmm. someone being vulnerable or someone sharing um or saying something that perhaps they wouldn't dare say Mm -hmm. um and i sort of haven't got any of those um particularly in mind for today um but certainly you'll see that in um my new pamphlet that hopefully will be out before the end of this year queerfella um you know there's a lot in there and Mm. and what i i've been trying to get a, a, a queerfella collection published for a long time and what i what i realized was that initially it was just full of here's a catalog of my battle with shame yeah. Um, whereas now it's a journey from shamed to unashamed.
3: Mm. I was going to say, what I, what I really hear from you is a sense of self, a real sense of again, energetic sense of power of you standing in your in your self will, and 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 from that space, like you said, there's a. It's a denial of self when you don't follow your passion, when you don't express yourself, when you're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And I think that's that shows through. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think um I'm 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 pleased about that. Um I think part of it is is, is equally um know in throatbone I've 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 gone back to the Isle of Man and a lot of that poetry is exploring the politics and the history and the place and the the folklore and um finding finding my own meaning from that. Um but equally I think perhaps if if we have time, there's another poem actually in the middle of writing but it sort of it 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 talks a lot to um, to the vulnerability side that you're talking about, but um, the Isle of Man um, in folklore, Manannan was the son of um, the the son of the sea, the warrior, the the, the king of the other world, and um, um, he left Ireland and his sorrow over what he thought was um, being done to his his mother and his kin, his tears turned to land and that became the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Manan um, and Machilea. He is of soil and sea. Long long ago, despairing for ruined family, lost humanity, inflicting wounds on the other world. Nothing has changed. His tears, pearls that fled the sea, then turned to land, a mountain on the island where I was raised. Out of my mother's womb, I choked for life in a tent for seven days. Seven years, or 70 score months, I now forget. When I cried, it was only inside, growing a cardiac rock with lichen cracks and moss where I wept. Sun of soil and sea, my delight blows in the vastness of water, sweeping mist into space. All my promise dug up that thin layer of earth lying between life and death.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. <laughs> oh, when I'm closing my eyes and really listening to your 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 words, your poetry, and it it, it it must be your voice and your connection with it. But it, I get this sense of like all these all these places and parts of you, like really connecting, like, you know, I get, of course, the Isle of Man, the Earth, you know, but also like something very deep and personal, and a connection with that. So there's a kind of a question that which is, and it's very connected to vulnerability and to, you know, exploring, exploring yourself through your poetry. Has that or like, has that always been the case that that was what you were doing with your poetry? what's been the journey to kind of finding that meeting point of speaking about something that is dear to your heart, like the Isle of Man, but at the same time being able to weave into it, uh, what I experience as like such a a, a depth, I guess, um, a depth to those words. Some, someone else maybe could say those same words, but not have that resonance, you know, not have that, that energy behind it. So what's been your journey with that? Has that been like, is that always been something that you did quite effortlessly, effortlessly, in inverted commas, <laughs> as in something that you did more naturally, you know, ex, you know exploring yourself through the words, exploring, in this case, your past, exploring, you know, your family, or is that something that kind of, you know, came later? I'm curious, tell us about your journey.
1: Um, no, it came later. It started um, in late 2010 after my father died really um the first prop, proper poem i wrote apart from um the teenage scribblings of angst that that we probably all did at some point um, well, i still do still yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's so called <laughs> blogging nowadays <laughs> Um, was a poem in 1995 when I experienced, um, on an expedition in Kenya, I experienced, um, taking a pregnant woman to the hospital, um, who'd tried to give herself an abortion, um, and she died when we got 80% of the way there, um. And I was actually with a young man who was on the expedition who was celebrating his 18th birthday. And we'd, I'd been spending a day with him showing him all these sites and we'd been called to help this situation. And He'd, he'd insisted on um, coming with me. And it was sort of my, my way of making, I mean, the prompt for it was really to try and write something that would help give him some meaning to it because he, Completely shut down, um, but of course it was also something that helped me get some meaning. So I, mm. so I think maybe that was a an event that gave me that insight into what what writing can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And certainly, um, you know, after my father died, and it was only. Um, it was only twenty-two months before that that my mother died, um, in 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 very very difficult circumstances. That, um, yeah, writing it down, I discovered was a way of of of. I guess initially was a catharsis, and then became. A, a, a route to understanding
0: mm. um, and, to, and to meaning. You said, like giving it meaning, you give it meaning for yourself, and you give you give it meaning for someone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, and I, I mean, I don't think you, one can separate. You know, this isn't. um Yes, I think my, my my writing has improved by developing the craft, but fundamentally, like I think I said before, you know this isn't a it's not a game it's not a trick <laughs> you know the, the 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 craft is just enabling one to say it in a better way yeah. the, the 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 meat of it is 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 what questions you're asking and what you're exploring and from that from that sense it can't be separated from the work that we've done together over the over the years it can't be separated from my therapist of the last five years, you know, it can't be separated from the other, um, um, the other groups I've been involved in particularly around um, um, Loving Men and The Quest, for example, which are are, are gay and queer men groups that involve the sharing of, um, the sharing of our truths. Um, And equally, you know th- some of those bigger questions around um existence and life and death and religion i think have always been there i've just not um i think poetry has given me a um a route to explore some of those which um you know hopefully we'll have a, a little bit of time to to um to share um mm-hmm.
3: You, you gave us a, a tiny glimpse there when you mentioned Africa and because I think there's no doubt now that you'll follow your passion but being a professional poet hasn't been something that you've been all of your life and and for me certainly there's that aspect of your experience and the, the life that you've led to this point shines through in your poetry and and I think for the listeners, it would be really interesting to hear some of that life experience that you've had that's brought you to this point where you feel confident and you're so powerful stepping into your passion and, and following that passion. Because I think, you know, all three of us have been through that journey of feeling that we couldn't follow a passion, we had to do something that was, you know, the norm. We had to have the job, we had to do this, all of that. And, And often I think that's something that the people can relate to. So I'd be really curious as to see if you could share with the listeners a little bit about that.
1: Morning. (laughs) (laughs) It was about five questions all at once. Um, (laughs) Certainly... um, in hindsight, I recognized that I turned my back to writing only in hindsight, and it was a it was only um, odd glimpses that I just couldn't see almost looking through a, an opaque piece of glass um, and you know that was because of the That was because of a weight of expectation um you know and that expectation was as much to do with as is common um a mix of people wishing their best for you and the and and people wishing to live their own life through the things that they didn't quite achieve that they perhaps would have liked to um and that you know that's that's quite a big that's quite a big cloud you know and um and particularly after my after my brother died at a very young age then that sort of kicked in a desperate desire to succeed in 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 a way that other people would recognize and if he was alive he would Mm -hmm. recognize um which of course also is a also is not just a reflection of 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 that grief it's a reflection of the um um the compensating behaviors of gay shame um but that's where i i dropped into into a, a a corporate role and then a much bigger corporate role with xerox and working internationally in japan and america and um having what you know people would describe as an an important job you know um but i always knew even from um my passwords my passwords all the way through my career at xerox were 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 from kenya were from the names of villages in kenya that i'd been to as a 19 year old on an expedition i knew where my where, where there were, where there was a passion Mm. and even though that passion was also related to a certain degree with my father having taught in Africa, um, it more so had to do with, um, the sense of justice and injustice that was ingrained in both my mother and my father. Um, my mother more practically as a nurse and my father I, I guess politically and religiously um so africa was certainly um you know it, it it was a passion um it was something i passionately believed in and such like but i think i realized that at the same time of investing myself into that i was still denying myself um both in terms of real practical actuality in that um i didn't want to complicate any relationships with organizations overseas where me acting out what i am is illegal mm. um i make that distinction very clearly because nowhere in the world is it illegal to be homosexual it's only illegal to for in most cases for men to have to partake in homosexual acts um, but so there's that practical denial or avoidance if you like as well as as well as equally um, a maintenance of that compensating behavior that 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 avoiding looking inside that avoidance of of um, connection to self that was still there you know and that's that's when I realized that um the more and more that my life became disconnected, the more and more I had to disconnect myself from something that I built from nothing. Um, and it was very painful, you know, it's a very painful process. Um, um, you know, and perhaps is not completely finished, but, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of hesitate a little bit in that, that um it can sound a little bit trite in terms of um giving up all of these other these other things but um because I don't think you I don't think that living your purpose has to mean living the sorts of lives that we are what it does have to mean um, is authentically living true to oneself and um, searching for and exploring meaning and asking mm-hmm. questions and and um, you know you can do that as a vocation or you can do it as a as as as, I was going to say a hobby, but you can do <laughs> it as the as the real thing of your life, and the mm. you know, and the work can be disconnected from that or connected from that. And I guess I'm 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 still trying to to find a way to keep to to connect those two things, which I'm not I'm not there yet, but the one thing the one thing for certain is that um what i can't stop doing is writing i've been really suffering in the in the lockdown particularly having moved to a a new city as part of that that process but there's one thing that's not stopped and that's you know that that that's my writing um you know which which tells which tells me something,
3: and I think I'm I'm really struck by the fact that something I'm sh- I'm sure lots of listeners will resonate with that living a life where you're as you like that self denial um, in order to please other people, you know, to to satisfy the needs of somebody else is or as you deem them to need to need to be satisfied, and so we do things and we choose careers and we follow a path that we choose to, to believe is, it, is it what's expected of us. And yet now you're in this space of rather than that denial of self and following a different path through your poetry, you're providing that invite for other people. You know, it's like your the words that you come up with, the poems that you write are an invitation for other people to go into that space and find yeah. that. Or yeah. that, that, that true path for themselves, and that's the depth that, that mm. you bring in your words. I feel because it's it's like they say for, for
0: say a workshop facilitator, or practitioner, or a therapist, they can only take you as deep as they have gone themselves, mm. because it's energetically they can't. You know, it's just it's just how it works, and I feel that's what exactly what you say. or well, I feel that in your that's that's your poetry. Yeah, like you you've gone there, you've done your inner work, you've been exploring yourself, you've gone on that path, gone on that journey. And you're weaving that depth into your poetry nat- you know, nat- naturally, I would say. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's the depth that, that I was feeling.
1: Well, I mean, I, I mean, that's very kind of you to say. And obviously, um, um, particularly with poets, um, we can be a bit Marmite, um, and, <laughs> uh, and, and certainly. <sighs> Sorry, our writing—what we write yeah. Yeah.
0: which which for people who are not from the UK is either hate it or
1: love it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't get into the other the other way of interpreting that, but um, you know, so people people like your style or they don't, you know, and people like your writing or your subject matter <laughs> or they don't. Um, but there's one here that that I th- I think um it it fits very much with what you just. <clears throat> what you're just saying, um, and I'll make Rob smile because I know the um, reasons. It will be obvious. This is a very, very new poem, um, so it, it, it's going to change. But um, it's called "I Don't Know How to Let Go," brackets <laughs> of London. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twenty years to cook a hot pot. Grow your own onions, potatoes, father told me in Brentford. They made those nylon sheets we had. But not now, it's Brompton bikes, easier to get where you want and to get what no one knows you until they forget that moving is no escape. Unless it involves our roots, getting our nails filled with soil. I scraped most of it out. Though an orphan remains in Bermondsey, but not really, it's Bermondsey Street, you see. The argument is not what, the argument is about my mother, who taught me this over and over, but in a different way. I was drawn to Stepney, four weeks in a bedsit, nearby the hospital where she was born, rebuilding behind that old facade, as if longing for her backwards. Nine months in Hackney, where I also curled in a womb, as though squatting in Broadway Market, rent pouring from my pants like I am the gentry pissing their souls over the homeless, people fighting every day for their lives, me with myself. All my change put in their hand, never cups, speaking their names out loud, just made it worse. In short, its Triangle, it's easy to feel lost, like having no home to go to, my mother's tragic story. It's not easy to escape in brick Lane nostalgia, like not even knowing there's no going back father said but in a different way in my arms just before the end a homage to holding on to letting some things go to brighten the place naturally i tried kemptown obviously they both loved wordplay my parents evidently hove actually is how i reach the sea
2: Mm.
0: I have the same experience after every single one of your friends, I just want to be silent. <laughs> I just want to be still and feel because it brings up so many images and feelings. And emotions,
3: I mean, yeah. I think mean, for anybody who's lived in London or knows London, especially, um, you know, how lonely it can be, how distracting from life it can be like there's such emotion in those words.
1: Hmm. Thank you. I mean and I guess um oh well, one thing I'd like to share actually is if um you didn't ask me what poetry was and I, I, I and um I've been thinking about this question. Mm, good question. Um what's poetry Simon? <laughs> <laughs> And I, I guess the better question is what is a poem? Um and and what I came up in in my mind is probably the 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 stealing or the amalgam of 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 other people's metaphors and other poets' metaphors and stories and ideas, which which in many senses is what a poem is anyway. Um it is a pulling together of 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 our experience and the um the things that we've heard and and I'll share you a I'll, uh, next. I'll share you a poem that's exactly that, um, from centuries before. Um, but I think a poem is a, is a, a poem is a house, you know, and and and, um, and every house has a front door. Um, and hopefully, you make that you make that door very welcoming and accessible for everybody. And when you walk through that door, then, then there can be one room or many rooms, you know, and each of those rooms, if you like, can be the, the verses or the stanzas to a poem. But, you know, sometimes, and sometimes they're the same size and sometimes they're not. Um, but but this, house is a, this house is a question or an, or an exploration. Um and you don't know how it's going to end. You know, you've never been in this house before because each, each each poem is a new house, yep mm. um and always also in a in in a poem, whether you've gone through one room or a number of rooms and of different sizes. Um, at minimum there's always a window at the end. usually it 's at the back sometimes it's off at the side sometimes that 's where you end up but there's at least a window to somewhere else. sometimes there's also a door and sometimes there's actually a whole glass conservatory that you can stand in and look out of and you know, I think that's what a poem is. It's a house that's a questioner and, 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 and you go through the front door and you explore it and you end up either skew-whiff at the side or out the back, mm. at a window, at a door or in a conservatory.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that was exactly, I guess, my experience of the workshop you ran for us, the poetry Poetry of the universe, or Poetry from the universe, I can't remember. And it, it was really amazing how, you know, got us to connect to an image and then to kind of to, to write some words and then to, to write a first draft. And, and then we did a second one when we had to kind of, you know, then rewrite it and, and draft it again. And the, the, the difference in meaning that came from the first one as opposed to know, from the last one, the final one as opposed to the first one, was Amazing, and it was exactly like you described it starting with something, and then you kind of explore this, explore that, cut some things away. Suddenly, you're left with this thing that was for you know, I found really, really beautiful. Like what the poems that everyone shared as a result of it. And I really also understood yeah, your process, you know, after the book, it's not even a refinement, it's like exploring again. Was it, isn't it? I mean, this is my understanding, it's your your. Getting back into the house and exploring if there's another door here, another window there,
3: and leaving it for a while and going back into that same house again to explore get some more. That that was exactly my experience of your workshop, Simon. It was like that exploration. It's like there's a, a blur onto the page of a first draft, and then like an exp- exploration on each line. What does that? You know, what are the feelings? What's the energy we mm-hmm. need to those? And then you come to this path. You come to the back door, the window, the conservatory. Mm-hmm but there's an
2: exploration through the entire house to get to that point.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, that poem I just read, for example, I I took it to um, my poetry class last night and and, um, a number of people picked up on um, how much richness there was in um, the personal relationship bit. Mm. So... I mean, you you haven't heard the orig- the, the the one I sent <laughs> them last night, but um, I mean, this one is I think is so much better because th- that's what I picked up on was was they recognised that me intertwining um, um, parental my parental experience within that, even though mm. neither of them lived in London with me. Yeah, um, was where they where people felt connection. So I I went and really sort of dived into that more um, and explored more and therefore I think mind, much greater emotion and and connection to the experience of life in London, to to, to the experience of of relationships with parents and such like. you know, and I, I, I say a lot of the time um, we take inspiration from from other poets, either in the way that they write something, or um, um, I mean, that poem was out was prompted to write that poem after a poem by Will Harris, um, who's a brilliant poet, um, and it, his was about. Um, not been able to leave, leave London. And it's ended up being something quite, you know, very, very different um, The Matt poem, but but it's a similar thing to what you were saying, Rob. There are, you know, in good poetry, there are emotional triggers within that that, that, that really sort of come alive. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I guess the only difference between a poet and a normal human being is that when those things trigger us and come alive, we have to write about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I mean, there's a, I, I, um, I'm sure you'll know um, the poet John Donne, who was, who was um, and if you don't know his poet, you don't know the name, you'll know his, his poem, No Man Is An Island. Um, you know, he goes back, he was 1572 to 1631 um and as you know writing about the isle of man i was doing quite a lot of exploration of 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 what that idea of being a small island and um um and the personification of that and the, the history of that and all of those all of the different ways in which one can see um an island as a metaphor for a person and our connection to the universe all of those things um This is called Our Little Time. Your beauty makes our little island an everywhere and our little time an every when. Our struggles are both won and lost. Poison flows too freely like sheep roaming the hills or glens riddled with venal streams. And there we sit, still staring into space. Two fools I know for loving and saying so, a third was just hoping for the best fool, to be a little wise, a little simple, to be a slave to fate and desperate men. A love wreck full of air and fairies dancing in shapeless harmony, no poppies or charms will make us sleep. Or will crystals keep us awake? No elixir so silken it will soothe every river's throat. Or alchemy strong enough to turn iron into bullets for life's own fate. Whose death will do us little proud, for it diminishes every little thing and every when. Our affair is to be more than human bigger than a million armies of ants, to return life to what it was, centuries before and centuries after, that tree whose fig unveiled ego and greed. It's like a meditation for me, I yeah. <laughs>
0: It really is a meditation and um, even before you started sharing it, yeah, I was getting this flash that something I think has come up in, in other conversations on the podcast that how we, we've, we live in a world or have been living in a world where we've been taught not to value certain aspects of ourselves and, you know, including that as an example, you know, poetry. You know, I'm a, i make, I'm ask you to tell us more about that in a moment, but and I'm really receiving from you today, like, you know, the gift of that and the, how much uh, the gift of poetry and the depth of poetry and incredible, incredibleness of it, you know, the, the, huma- the humanness of it, but also this the profound impact it can have on other people. Like, what I'm feeling and receiving in just this conversation and these poems that you're sharing is it's really given me a glimpse of, like, you know, what how our our potential can come through anywhere you know Mm. it doesn't have to be a certain way like if it's writing and poetry then it's just you know it can create so it has such an impact on other people and you know this i i really honor you for heeding the call of doing that you know regardless and i I know from you know from others as well that often it's more than a call. It's like a need. It's like, as you said before, if I don't do it, then I, I start to feel, you know, a certain way. So, yeah, I wanted to reflect that back to you because it's, yeah, I'm, you know, and, and to tell us more about that journey, about really starting to own your gift and start to, you mentioned owning your talents, your craft is one thing for sure. And then there's also the personal journey exploration that's allowing you to be more authentic within that. And, but what is also your journey around
3: actually acknowledging and owning yourself as a poet? Or as a, as a ex?
0: <laughs> because we don't even have to define you as a poet. You can be whatever you like. <laughs>
1: um,
0: as a word magician.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think one of the things that um, really interests me about... What you've just said around poetry um you know and thank you for saying um describing the impact that it, that the poems have on you i think one of the problems certainly when i was taught poetry at school um the focus was all on the what um the focus was all on what did the poet mean by this Mm. not how did what the poet just said make me feel Mm. what does it make me feel what does it make me think about what does it what questions does it raise for me what is it that i've learned from that it was all the opposite way around
2: yeah
1: you know what does that wretched spot mean Mm -hmm. Um, and, but of course, seeking a consensus answer to that, mm-hmm. you know, or did you hit what the academic said was, yeah. what it meant, mm-hmm. you know, which, which is so far from the whole meaning of poetry in the first poetry, place, yeah. that that, um, um, that I think that's, a, you know, that's a, that is a problem.
0: Yeah, it really limits it. It cuts it. It cuts something when you do that. It completely limits the experience to do
1: that. Yeah, no, sure. And, um, um, you know, so of course there's um, there is sometimes a very specific meaning in what I write and sometimes there isn't. Sometimes words come out and they actually I already know that they could have multiple meaning, and I don't seek to I don't seek to choose one of them and then change the words to um change the words in order to achieve that. Yeah. Um you know I think one of the things that one of the things that one has to surrender to um is that other people will find their own meaning anyway. So so surrendering to feeling the need to do so um i mean there's nothing wrong with with um ensuring you say exactly what you want to say in the way that you want to say it but you can't control how someone's going to do that you know and some poets purposely obscure the The thing that they're talking about and 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 put that in a more surreal world or a a a more abstract world that enables people to to find their own their own event behind that that veil and some some um choose to be very specific but then but then provide us with some universal meaning out of it and i don't think either of you know neither are, are, are right nor wrong yeah. um you know I, I i um that's that's sort of what we're that's sort of what we're here to do um you know one of my one of my heroes from a writing perspective he wasn't particularly that good a poet um is James Baldwin um, who, you know, if I had one person in the world to have dinner with it would be him. Uh, um, Well, one person who's dead to have dinner with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and this poem um, is nothing to do with... um, I still call it after James Baldwin because his poem was called Nothing is Fixed but I sort of did something very different with it. Our island changes shape. I've seen the historical maps, eastern-looking forehead worn by a cycle of eroding sea. A power we don't possess in the back of a Western mind, deposited with infinite sand after a lifetime of attrition. What was rock? now has space for its own creator flows freely when sharp and rough edged rather than those fine and well-rounded we are its witness and the greater for its friction sifting shifting even these cliffs collapse on memories long told all turns to silt to dust to mud and nothing ends there. Can I share with you... Um, I, I don't know, we've, we've, we've probably... Have we been down to the last five minutes, are we all? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got time for another
0: poem, for sure.
1: I was going to do two. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: this is... um this is probably one of my um well it's actually the most it's the most spiritual place in the world it's not my favorite place in the world my favorite place in the world are glens in the isle of man and that journey down through um through the woods and the streams to a a small beach and a cove and rocks and uh, sort of like almost like the whole of um the whole of nature encompassed in a in a 15 minute or a half an hour or an hour walk. Um, but there's a place called um, um, Cronk Mule, Mule Circle, which has a, um, has this um, Bronze Age circle, um, which, um i always go to i'm gonna i'm, I'm not gonna say any more because I'm, I'm gonna be saying half of the poem. Mm-hmm, yeah. place that i i always go to as soon as i possibly can when i go to the isle of man and spend mm-hmm. time there um because um it's probably the the best place in the world for me to feel connected to something mm-hmm. else
2: yeah
1: cronk mule quartz white center of the bald hill graves wherever you may stare to balance arched bare feet teeter and scratch the edge of edges eyes closed to a howling sun a nose a sea smelt breeze of gorse flower heather with undertones of sheep all the weathers we have ever seen. In our darkness, a rife tornado spins, species after species extinguish like meteor showers. I turn to quartz for its calmness, ancestors still floating above each of twelve graves. Hands shaking, heads shivering, at all of that still not done. Mm -hmm. and i came up with um um an idea for a for a poem which i'm very very hopeful will get long listed for something um thanks to this workshop that was um looking at eco-poetry and our connection to the environment and ways in which we can um, we can explore things and um, I don't know if you know this but all of the names for clouds were invented by this amateur meteorologist called Howard who wrote Mm. this paper um, many many years ago, Um, I haven't got the dates to hand I think it was late late early or early eighteen hundreds, and he wrote this paper for his mates and did thirty two copies of them, and it became so popular it was almost like the you know the eighteen hundreds version of a um, going viral, mm-hmm. um, and it got so much attention. And of course, he called these names by Latin cirrus and cumulus, and he came up with the idea of of, of um, calling them by Latin names, which attracted an enormous amount of criticism from scientists. But he came up with this methodology in a way of describing the different clouds. Um, and the the poet and philosopher, German poet and philosopher Goethe, Goethe um, wrote about, he very much supported Howard and he wrote, um, um he wrote some poetry in support of of um, of Howard's ideas and um, and gave them the you know the the, the poet's treatment if you like um, and having looked at um, both of the papers one which of course is in very very particular scientific language which also is strangely poetic um, and also what Goethe said going off the last poem i came up in my mind with the idea of um an extinction cloud so using um so rather than cirrus and cumulus that there's actually a cloud of extinction um so this is Extinction Cloud. An extinction cloud may be formed, increased to its greatest extent, and finally decrease and disappear. We aptly name it with the honour of our fate. Penicium, a widely extended, continuous cloud, increasing from below and up, United as a ghost creating ghosts. The increase is sometimes indeterminate, at others, it has a very decided direction. Towering up in the darkening mountainside that appears to converge towards a point on the horizon. The cloud duration is uncertain, As a veil gathers folds, scattering as it rolls its curtains wide, A spirit fashioning other spirits, pausing in wonder, we mistrust our eyes. Extincty species pluvium the species cloud, a cloud or system of clouds from which species fold, scatter and fall. Although in itself one of the least beautiful clouds, it is now and then superbly decorated with its attendant rainbow, seen in perfection backed by, by the widely extended uniform gloom of this cloud formation. Independent of its beauty and magnificence, it adds to the face of nature. It is properly the cloud of the night, the mad thunder, the sad destiny of our troubled world. Evaporo evaporo perpetuum. On the remote and universal origin of clouds, the chemical philosopher Seduced by an analogy and accustomed more to the action of liquids on solids, naturally regards conservation as a solution of species in an ecosphere like vapory dragons. The appearance of conservation afterwards become sorry, the appearance of conservation afterwards becoming under favorable conditions, more abundant. And its mist is now dispersing gloriously to rise to where it stays. Language fails us in its vain endeavour. Even the most faithful cloud messenger itself destroys. Its own power forces the indefinite into the definite before they reach that faraway place wherever they go.
2: Mm. Mm. So it's a beautiful
3: story to end on, because it. Mm. Well, every time you've sort of read a poem to us, they are saying sort of meditative, but, and when he said that, I, was, I had to ask myself, am I breathing? And I <laughs> recognised there was part of me that was, you know, there's sometimes when you're in a movie, you're fully engrossed in that movie scene, it's like a fourth century experience, it's like the sound, the bells and the whistles mm. and the visuals. And it was similar to that. Like I was so engrossed, I wasn't aware whether I was breathing or not, what was going on around around me. And it's like that's the power of words. You know, that's the, the power that you have with your poetry. And so I think it's it's, it's a beautiful poem to end. You know, it's just the fact that the names of clouds have come from that. <laughs> and and how we, how can we actually get more of those poems from you? How can we access them? Yeah. With
1: you. um yeah well a lot of those i actually all of those poems i've virtually all of those poems i've read to you are Are, are unpublished so you've been um, um given a treat they're, they're, they're not um yeah they I, I won't be um releasing them on social media or anything until uh, until and if they're published by by Mm. someone let's be confident until they're published by someone yeah um but (coughs) simon maddrell m-a-d-d-d-r-e-l-l is the um is the ending to almost all my social media so um instagram is simon Madrill, facebook is simon Madrill, or my poetry page is simon Madrill poetry um soundcloud where i have um some of my more original spoken word poems published, but I'm going to be recording the whole of Throatbone. My um yeah. my first my my first poetry pamphlet um are going to be recorded on there. Um on Twitter I'm Queer Manx Poet. Um so that's about it really. There are all the ways in which you can yeah. find and there's links there to um Buying the book that I've got and hopefully I'll have another. Well not, I will have another book out either December or or January called Mm. called Queer Fella.
0: Well, thank you, Simon, for giving us such a beautiful glimpse into your magic. Mm. I want to say that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And um I
3: wish you all the best with the and the new book. And thank you for sort of sharing your wisdom over the years as well. I mean, you've you've attended various workshops with Ed and I when we were both living in London and you've been a member of the temple for a number of years. And I think that that space of sharing people's stories and learning from each other, I think you've been integral to some of the things that have happened and the growth in the temple as a result of that. So thank you for that too.
1: Well, right back at you, that's all all I can say. And... um you know, and thank you for giving me this um, this opportunity to share some of my um, some of my thoughts, but more importantly, some of my poems. Mm,
3: yeah,
0: beautiful. Okay, thank you, thank you, Simon. Thank you, Simon.